Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year-long crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible. We'll include excerpts from his spoken ministry, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. We hope that through these studies, you'll be brought into a deeper enjoyment of the scriptures and of our dear and precious Lord Jesus. You can contact us by sending email to radio at lsm.org or reach us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now, let's join today's program. During the long history of the kings of Israel and Judah recorded in the Old Testament, spanning a period of several hundred years, there are very few positive accounts. Of course, we remember David who was according to God's heart, though he himself was not without his own serious failure. But not until we come to Hezekiah near the end of the account in 2 Kings do we find another who was nearly as positive as David. Yet despite this dark, negative period in the history of God's people, God maintained his thin line of overcomers, mainly among the prophets such as Isaiah. In fact, the book of Isaiah gives us a direct linkage to God's New Testament economy and even to Christ himself. And as Isaiah focuses our attention on Christ, we want to focus on him in his New Testament economy today. Dick Taylor is with us as we continue our fellowship here in the book of 2 Kings. Dick, I think it's fair to point out at this uh, stage in the life study, as Witness Lee was giving these final messages in Kings, he really, you could tell, was not burdened with the uh, historical accounts of these uh, kings so much and the failures and difficulties. He really had his being was set on something else, wasn't it? Really true, Chris. That's why we are super appreciative of the life studies, because it brings us to the very focus of God's heart, and that's his economy with Christ as the center. All right, let's talk about uh, where we're going to be spending most of our time today. It's not going to be in the book of Kings directly. And of, but, of course, as we've pointed out in previous programs, uh, as the kings were uh, in their failure and degradation, the Lord had raised up these ones, these overcomers that you mm-hmm. just mentioned, mainly the prophets Nathan and Isaiah and, uh, of course, Elijah and Elisha mm-hmm. and others uh, that were faithful, that were overcomers. And their history was somewhat parallel to those of the kings. And among them, Isaiah particularly, in his great book, you know, the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament, one of the classics, points us to the incarnation of Christ directly, the redemptive work of Christ on the cross. And there are other indications in his writing that point us to even the more the New Testament economy. So we'll come to that today and see the Lord Jesus, not just in his earthly ministry, but see that in fact, Christ has two ministries or had an earthly ministry followed by his heavenly ministry, which is really centered on his New Testament economy, isn't it? Praise the Lord. That's right. Let's look at a couple of verses that Witness Lee will refer to today in this first portion. Romans 1, 4, who was designated, of course, that's Christ, who was designated the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness out of the resurrection of the dead, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Dick, of course, Christ was eternally the Son of God. Right. Uh, But here it says that in resurrection, he was designated the Son of God. Right. In his divinity, he was always the Son of God. But in his humanity, he needed to be divinized. 
Another verse that confirms this point we'll touch also in Acts 13, 33, which is a quotation from the Old Testament book of Psalms, that God has fully fulfilled this promise to us, their children, in raising up Jesus, as it is also written in the second Psalm, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And that today, of course, is a direct reference to the day of resurrection. Resurrection. All right, let's join Witness Lee Dick. In the New Testament, it is clearly revealed that uh, the ministry the Lord Jesus had and still has is in two sections. The first section is just in the four Gospels. And the last section, starting from Acts to the end of Revelation. The first section of Christ's ministry, you may say, that is his earthly ministry, which he accomplished on the earth, from his incarnation to his death, to accomplish God's eternal redemption. But after that, Christ entered into resurrection. In resurrection, as we have repeatedly pointed out, Christ uplifted his humanity and designated it into God's divinity. And here you must remember, before Christ became a man, he was the Son of God already. That was the only Son of God. But God's economy intends that God one day will join himself, mingle himself with man. And Christ's incarnation accomplished such a matter. The incarnation of Christ was a big accomplishment in the universe to bring God into man. This is not a small thing. To produce a God-man, both of divinity and humanity. From there, Christ started his earthly ministry. And then, through his living on this earth, he went to the cross to die, to redeem us. That was wonderful. But this is not the top. This is the first level of Christ's ministry. Just a start. Then Christ entered into resurrection. In resurrection, he, in his humanity, he became a life-giving spirit. Dick, I think this may be a, a new thought, and certainly a new point to many, many of our listeners, and that is that Christ had these two aspects or two sections to his ministry, the earthly, which uh, culminated in the redemption on the cross. And this is really the account of the four Gospels. But beginning with Acts all the way through Revelation, we really see his ministry in another stage and is related to this matter of his being designated the Son of God in resurrection. Why don't you pick this up? Yeah, it's really good because like Brother Lee mentioned, Chris, Christ as the Son of God was always the Son of God in his divinity. Right. But God's intention in his economy was to mingle himself with man. So Christ needed to be, firstly, that 
mingled God-man, that one who is a composition of divinity mingled with humanity. So praise the Lord for his incarnation, which issued in his God-man living and culminated with his death on the cross to accomplish an eternal redemption. This is his earthly ministry. But at this point still, God only had one God-man. Yeah. But praise the Lord in resurrection— Christ was designated in his humanity to be the firstborn son of God. And I always love the illustration, Chris, that, yeah, it's wonderful that Christ was resurrected from the dead, and we have to celebrate that he defeated death. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But even more than that, he Godized or he sunized this humanity, this man, and uplifted his humanity to become the firstborn son of God, not just the only begotten now, but the firstborn son of God. And it's like in First Peter where it says, even when he was being put to death in his flesh and he descended into the deeper parts of the earth and then through that invigorating period of time of declaring his victory over Satan and all of his uh, helpers, uh, eventually after three days he comes to his body in the grave and invades it. <laughs> and at wow. that point when he invaded his human body, that was the designation of his humanity, and he came out of the grave as the firstborn son of God. Well, this is what God wants. He wants a God-man, a God-man who's completely sunized, who's completely divinized. A divinity is completely mingled with humanity. Not only that, he not only wants just one God-man, that's the prototype, that's the head, that's the firstborn, but he wants many more. He wants the increase of this firstborn son of God for his expression and his uh, testimony in this universe. Praise the Lord for this aspect, this second section of his ministry uh, in resurrection and ascension. You know, Dick, I'm glad you mentioned that matter of his being the firstborn. Mm. And and this designation was as the firstborn. Of course, we have the verse that the whole world now, I think, is familiar with in John 3.16, the only begotten. God so loved the world that he sent or gave his only begotten, begotten son. But in Romans 8.29, and I think it should be almost mandatory that whenever John 3.16 is read, Romans 8.29 should also be read. Amen. Right? That's good. <laughs> because those whom he foreknew, he also predestinated to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn firstborn among among many many brothers. brothers. So the only begotten has now become the firstborn, implying there are brothers. And it's this transition, this continuation of his process that is really the focus of our fellowship today and, well, many days on this broadcast, isn't it? That's right. And praise the Lord. He became the firstborn, we become the many, and this is for the fulfillment of his economy. Dick, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, it also points out that on that day when he was resurrected, when he was designated mm-hmm. the firstborn son of God, we, all of the believers, were regenerated with him at that same time. Praise the Lord. According to his great mercy has regenerated us unto a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. These are marvelous verses, aren't they? They really are. Praise the Lord for his resurrection and our regeneration. All right, let's go back to Witness Lee. Christ entered into resurrection. His second section ministry started. Started to do what? Firstly, to regenerate us. Not by his death. By his death we got redeemed. But now he regenerates us by the life-giving spirit. And his regeneration is to bring God into us. Amen. 
God was brought into man in Christ's incarnation, but that was into one man. Only one man, not many. But this model or this prototype is used by God to produce the mass production. Amen. Look at this. All the believers today on this earth are a God man. God don't like to have good men. Just God man. A God man. Instead of a good man. Confucius, he educated people to be good men. But that is different from what God does. God's work for his economy is to make all his redeemed ones, his believers in Christ, all God-men. Hallelujah. Have you ever realized this or not? Have you ever thought about it? I don't believe. (laughs) If you have ever thought about it, you would not live in your way. What can man has that kind of living? A good man has a good man's living. A God man should have a God man's living. Then what is God man's living? Well, that is all the time rejecting your natural man. Realizing that you do have God as your life. So you don't live by your natural man, but you live by this God who is alive to you, in you. Denying your natural man and uh, applying the divine life to your daily life. Dick, uh, history is full of great philosophers, uh, great men of even many religions, uh, encouraging, teaching, training, inspiring people to become good. Mm -hmm. But that is not the same thing that God is after in his New Testament divine economy, is it? No, he wants God-men. And I appreciate, Chris, when you look back at John chapter 3, where the Lord was speaking to Nicodemus, specifically about regeneration. That's right. He himself was going to be resurrected and become the life-giving spirit so he could get into Nicodemus and become another life other than the life he'd received from his parents. There is a good man. Nicodemus was a really good guy. But the Lord, in so many words, by verse 14, just said, Nicodemus, you are a serpent. (laughs) You are a snake. (laughs) So even a good man is actually the expression of the devil. So God's purpose is not with good men because good men are contaminated anyway. God's desire is to mingle himself with our humanity so that in and through our human living, God is manifested and testified. So I appreciate this very much that we'll rejoice for eternity because Christ became a life-giving spirit and has come into our spirit. And now we have the privilege of living not by our natural life, even if it's quote unquote good, but of putting it aside. How about the Lord's natural life? Wow. He was perfect. That's right. But he still put it aside to live because of the Father. I'm thinking of John 6.57, Chris, where 
He said, as the living Father has sent me and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me, that means rejects your own source and depends on me and enjoys me, he will live because of me. And Christ, this wonderful God-man as the prototype, look in John 5, 6, 7, 8, what did he do? He never did his own will, only the Father's will. He never spoke his own words, only the Father's That's words. Right. He never did his own works, only the Father's works. He never sought his own glory, only the glory of the Father. So we are here appreciating to the uttermost that we could be brought to this truth, uh, not of good men, but of God men. And Christ himself is the unique prototype. And now this one as the life-giving spirit is inside of us, and we are here to enjoy him and live him, that he might have this testimony of a corporate God-man with a God-man living. Dick, that's almost beyond our ability to comprehend. As you were accounting here, the things in Christ's natural human life, Mm -hmm. which were, let's face it, perfect. Mm -hmm. But even at that, he continually denied and rejected his natural life, didn't that's he? right. His that's human right. life, mm-hmm. and lived by the divine life. Amen. Which was living out what he was pointing out to Nicodemus, who was a good man. That's right. And could have been easily satisfied with his so-called goodness, but mm. Christ was there to unveil to him in our goodness that, at best, we're still serpentine. That's right. We need mingled with divinity so that divinity could be expressed through humanity. Dick, on the cross, the Lord uttered the famous words, uh, it is finished. Amen. That is a reference to the earthly section of his ministry. First section of his ministry, yes. But in resurrection, of course, he ascended. He was made king of kings, lord of of lords, Lords, ruler, savior. Right. And he's not just idle there today, resting, waiting for uh, the end of this age, is he? No. He's very active. That's right. He's even more busy than in the earthly ministry. And he's in his heavenly ministry, the second section of his ministry, right now, supplying us with his dear self. That's what we want to uh, focus on in this third section today. Christ is the executor and the minister of the new covenant today, right now in the heavens. Here's Witness Lee once more. After regeneration, the life-giving spirit stays in us, and when he stays in us, the Father stays with him, and the Son stays with him. Because this life-giving spirit is the consummation or the totality of the processed triune God. When you have this one life-giving spirit, you have the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. You have all of them. Now, from this point onward, what this life-giving spirit is doing in us He would firstly sanctify us, secondly renew us, thirdly transform us, fourthly conforming us to God's image, making us in appearance, in essence, in element, the same as God. And eventually a big step will take place. That is, he will glorify us to bring us into his glory. Rather, I would say this, to make his glory saturating our entire being. That will be at the time when the Lord Jesus comes. So here you have sanctification, renewing, transformation, confirmation, and glorification. 
these are the steps of Christ's ministry in resurrection. In his ascension, he was assigned by God to be the Lord, to be the Christ, to be the ruler of all the earth, and to be the Savior. This is told uh, in Acts 2 and 5. Then to be also our high priest interceding for us in front of God. He has also been assigned to be the mediator and to be the executor of the new covenant to minister all the heavenly things into us. To understand all this, you need to read the books of the apostles from Romans to Revelation. You have to read. You have to spend more time. How many believers are contented with what they know of Christ's death for the accomplishment of redemption? Only that much. Dick, we've said this before, but I would say it again today. By no means ever would we depreciate, diminish the work of Christ in his earthly ministry, accomplishing our eternal redemption. That's true. It's the source of our continual hallelujahs, isn't it? Amen, that's right. But we must not be content just to stop there because the word of God doesn't stop there. We have Acts all the way through Revelation, all the epistles of the apostles. And this is really where the second stage of his ministry is unveiled, isn't it? That's true. Praise the Lord that right now in his resurrection and in ascension, he's the Lord, he's the mediator, he's the minister, he's the high priest, he's executor, he's administrating, he's ministering, he's praying. I like one of the last words really used, he's our savior. Yeah. He's not just our judicial redeemer through his death on the cross in the first section, but he's also our organic or our life savior. So this very moment, because he's in his present ministry, he's not only there in the heavens, he's also here as the life-giving spirit right within us. So every time we call on him, oh, Lord Jesus, Lord, I love you. Every time we open to him, say amen to him, go along with him, he is busy because he came into us as the regenerating, life-giving spirit. And this regeneration washes us all the way to the point where we become the same as he is in his life and nature, but not in the Godhead for his expression. And this process, Brother Lee mentioned, is sanctification and renewing and transformation and confirmation and, hallelujah, glorification, where we become saturated, permeated, and soaked with him to the point where he and we are the same in his life, his nature, for his expression. Then the Lord has the fulfillment of his eternal economy, which is not just Christ as the firstborn son of God, not just Christ as the God-man, but Christ increased, expanded, uh, reproduced, enlarged, and duplicated to become the body of Christ, consummating as the new Jerusalem. Dick, I remember uh, being in these meetings in 1994 when Witness Lee came to this section of the life study. Of course, he finished the life study of the whole Bible in 1995, a a little more than a year after this. Uh, But during that final period, what we are touching in these messages was really the focus of his ministry in the last years, wasn't it? That's really true. That's the focus. I uh, really enjoy these times of fellowship, Dick, and the opportunity to touch this uh, central item of God's economy, which is just Christ himself 
in his uh, new covenant ministry. That's really true, because we're not brought to this or that or these or those, we're brought to Christ. Amen. You know, in the Lord's recovery, there's a big dictionary, but it has only one word in it, Christ. (laughs) (laughs) Let's come back and read that page in the dictionary whenever you're available, Dick. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Uh, Our time is up. We hope, of course, you'll contact us so that you can get the printed Life Study messages when you call. That toll-free number 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. And for Dick Taylor, I'm Chris Wilde. Thanks very much for listening today. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. If you'd like to read the works of Witness Lee and Watchman Nee, just visit our website, ministrybooks.org. From there, you'll find over 600 complete titles available to read online free of charge. Witness Lee's ministry stood squarely on the shoulders of his mentor and co-worker, Watchman Nee as well as those of countless ministers of the New Testament throughout the ages. The riches contained in his life study of the Bible represent the top, the cream of his 70-plus years of ministry and range in topic from lessons for new believers to commentary and exposition on passages from every book of the Bible. But they all contain practical and deeper truths about the Christian life. Again, this wonderful online resource is available to you free of charge at ministrybooks.org. If you have questions or comments about this ministry or the program you heard today, email us, radio at lsm.org, or call us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788. Thanks for listening today.